Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today's film is Predestination, starring Ethan Hawke, Noah Taylor, and Sarah Snook. It's out in Australia. I'm not sure it's come out anywhere else, but uh, this episode will be full of spoilers. So if you haven't read the short film, uh, short story rather, or seen the film, uh, just an advice ahead of listening to the rest of this podcast, it's full of spoilers. Predestination. I saw it at 10.15 in the morning, four sets of couples, and I imagined that all four of the guys had dragged their girls <laughs> to this film as I had dragged my wife. Uh, you know, because Ethan Hawke's a cool actor. I don't know that this film was widely um, advertised. I'm very disappointed uh, in that because I thought this film looked fantastic and I'm really disappointed this didn't get a lot of marketing. Now, Lloyd, uh, this film relies heavily on twists. Again, spoilers for everybody. But um, you went to the bathroom and I understand... <laughs> That maybe you've missed something, so maybe we should. <laughs> I am so. We should go through this film from the beginning, and you can tell me when you left. Oh, uh, is that? Yeah, I just want to say I tried to hold it in so bad, and this movie you cannot walk away from. Like just from the get go, credit to the Spirig brothers, uh, Australian guys. I think they made a fantastic movie, absolutely fantastic. Um, and I just was holding it in, trying so hard not to go to the bathroom, and I had to go, and uh, and of course, at the worst possible time. So, Dave, I've been looking forward to do this podcast. I've avoided going online, reading what actually happened. I want you to tell me what happened. <laughs> I'm so frustrated. <laughs> So you came back in at some point and it didn't make sense. Is that what's going on? Kind of. I was piecing some of it together, but it would have been okay. really good to have seen it. Right. Um, I'll just say, I uh, partway through the Green Mile had to go to the bathroom, Lloyd, and I stayed for the whole three hours. I'm not sure that I should have, but uh, <laughs> I don't know how much your bladder is different than mine, but uh, <laughs> we'll move on. All right. So... Um, interesting long conversation in a bar ethan hawk's character is talking to sarah snook's character who i don't know if you immediately picked up was a guy uh lloyd i I thought she i thought that was a uh, girl um immediately when i saw her is that what you mean like did i think yeah they yeah well i thought nothing about the movie yeah, when when she was talking, I picked up. Wow, that that guy is pretty feminine. Maybe it's actually a, a girl, like a one of those you know hardcore lesbian girls. So, yeah, <laughs> I didn't pick up. That's one way to put it. I yeah. thought maybe there was kind of a David Bowie like. Oh uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, know. I did get a bit of that as well. Yeah, because I think it's the seventies, nineteen seventy-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, March nineteen seventy-five is when the Fizzle Bombers attacking. Anyway, um, he keeps changing the day. You know, I love that. It's, um, that that bar sequence the long conversation it's very rare you get movies with that tarantino-esque opening where they tell a story 
Um, you know, and they don't use much cutaways to it, it enters heaps later. But look, did you notice how engaging it was? And it was just two people talking at a bar, the bartender and this person walking in. And it was so engaging, like every word I held on to. And so I don't believe in this crap. You got to open up with the movie with this big battle scene. This movie doesn't in a way, you know, well, there's a bomb that does go off in a <laughs> person does get melted. But, um, you know, it, it yeah. is very interesting that opening. Having that scene at the beginning where the bomb goes off and the person's face is messed up and then um, Ethan Hawke uh, is the person looking back in the mirror, having that happen, I don't know if we should have seen that because I think it was too much information at that time. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. Because you, you've got that in the back of your mind watching the movie. I don't know. Uh, look at this bar sequence. I, um, I absolutely agree. It was engaging. It was interesting. I did think, however, that the minute we start hearing her backstory that it's her movie. Yep. So you pretty much, you've got him and his bomber stuff at the beginning, but then when he's in this long conversation with Sarah Snook's character, who's referred to on IMDb as the unmarried mother, um, once it's her flashbacks, it's her story. So we learn all about her. To be honest, I had no idea where this movie was going. So it's really refreshing for me to go into a movie and not know where this movie was going to take me from the beginning to end. I know you're a very cerebral watcher, Dave, and you know everything that's going to happen before it happens, but I'm the opposite. I'm just <laughs> so dumb with plot. And the, from the get-go, I had no idea where this movie was going to take me. I'm like, where are we? 70s? 60s? What, what's going on here? Who's Ethan Hawke, man? <laughs> yeah, look, <laughs> that's uh, fair call. Um, that's an awesome way to watch movies. I totally agree, but... Just sometimes things take me out of the film. There's nothing I can do about yeah. it. Um, but I'm sorry to say that the twists in this film uh, I picked. And I wasn't the only one. I watched this film with my wife. She picked them too. And the reason I think we got all the information from that first scene, as well as the limited number of characters in this film, made it so that there weren't enough red herrings. Mm. Oh, there's a dog barking in the background. <laughs> there w- he disagrees there with you, Dave. <laughs> Clearly. It's the angry minority. Um, there weren't enough red herrings, and therefore you could piece together who the fizzle bomber was and tie together the loose ends of this story because, I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes you need those red herrings to kind of throw the audience. Like when you're watching a, a Scream movie or something, there's heaps of candidates. Lots of people could be the killer. And that's why you don't always necessarily figure out in these screen movies who the killer is because there's a twist because there's uh, this is uh, just one example. But, you know, oh, there's two killers or whatnot. But here there's so few characters that you're forced to think and scrutinize each one. And so, yeah. So we see her background, her maths, physics, fighting, what she was doing as a child. We get this massive backstory, as I said. With all this information, we wonder if she is the bomber because somebody with a maths, physics, fighting background could definitely make bombs, you know, yep. given the right circumstances. She does say something in the bar like about bombing people or like that it's a good thing. And he's gone back in time to 1975 to stop the fizzle bomber. And so therefore him being there, maybe he's perchance meeting with her to intercept her because he knows she's the fizzle bomber. So there's a lot of like, you're trying to figure it out from the start, really. Um, She wants to go to space. They want to use a virgin to train from scratch. 
And look, this training montage and everything was like um, amazingly shot. I thought all the vision uh, Space Odyssey-esque stuff that was being yeah, shown to her it, on the... The whole film, and it's funny because it's Ethan Hawke, the whole film reminded me of Gattaca at that point. Like all the space, yeah. like that that blend of the fifties plus the the um, the sci-fi, that fifties sci-fi look. It everyone in suits, and you know, it's all this cleanliness. It just evokes so much of the fifth, um, you know, of uh, 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 that Gattaca movie. <laughs> uh, and yeah, this movie looks incredible as well. Like as you say, the whole thing it looks absolutely incredible. Definitely, and uh, when there's that scene. Um they're doing the quizzes. She's amazing physically. She can run much longer than anybody else. Um, there's that bit where they sort of seem to imply there's something wrong with her, something amiss. Yeah. And that maybe she's a hermaphrodite. Um, and that leads to maybe why she was given up for adoption. And you're sort of thinking, okay, piecing together her backstory. Uh, technically, I suppose she couldn't have known those parts of the story. You know, where um, they sort of implied something was wrong. So (laughs) you're sort of getting this kind of unnatural narration, I suppose. But um, we sort of forgive it and we kind of go with it because it's information for the audience and we really want this information at this time. Uh, She meets this faceless man in a flashback in... um, but it's her recruitment story, you know. Uh, this is how she gets pregnant, gets a C-section, is reconstructed as a man. All through this, you don't know who that faceless person was and you wonder if it's somebody who can time travel because it makes the most sense, doesn't it, Lloyd? Yep, absolutely. At, at that time, I mean, I'm assuming that that person is Ethan Hawke, but... Uh, I thought it was the bomber. As well. <laughs> Sorry? I thought it was actually the bomber. <laughs> oh, possibly the fizzle bomber, sure. Uh, it's... It's all tied up like that, isn't it, though, Lloyd? Because, I mean, you sort of can't guess wrong on this. And we'll get to that. But as he's, as she's uh, reconstructed as a man, pretty much the baby gets snatched two weeks later. Uh, and then you think, well, she definitely has a motive now to be the fizzle bomber, don't you? Yeah. She had a child stolen. She was pushed into this. Her whole you know, life. Like a lot of... Yeah, her whole life she's just been pushed down and she's a very angry child. 11 months of operations and hormones and voice practicing, you know. And that that's enough to drive anyone nuts, you would think. Look, at this point, I'm thinking it's a very juicy role for a female actress. Sarah Snook... I think she's done very well here to get this. Yeah, she's and done very excellent. well with it. Yeah, she looks like that actor that we did the review on uh, Spider-Man Two. The guy who played uh, Harry Osborn. Don't you reckon she looks? Oh, Dane. Yeah, Dane yeah. DeHaan? Dane DeHaan. Don't you reckon she looks like Dane DeHaan? Maybe a little bit. I thought she. <laughs> Nothing against her. I'm not saying she's ugly. She's a great actress, but for some reason, as a guy, she just looks like Dane DeHaan. Yeah, and then she's so mysterious in this as well that there's. You kind of want to... She's very watchable. You don't know what's exactly going on. It's mysterious. It's it's very well put. And I feel like her next couple of roles are going to be Hollywood ones. Yeah. You know, this is going to be a great launching pad. She looks at herself in the mirror. There's that great scene where she tries peeing standing up for the first time. <laughs> I think... You know, last podcast, you said um, Dane DeHaan looked a bit like Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. <laughs> I think she looks a little bit like Leonardo DiCaprio, so maybe you're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they, they all look like each other. 
I did Ooh. say that. You're so, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So look, um, at this point, I had a theory, and I wrote it down in the cinema, which was uh, Ethan Hawke was her ex. She is the bomber. She cased him. Oh, difficult to read my handwriting. It was in the dark, uh, I must say, in a cinema. She's cased him to burn. Now he looks different. She cased him? That doesn't make sense. Uh, and, And he's back to stop her. So... You know, like my theory at that point was she's the bomber. Uh, she knows she knows a lot. He knows a lot, you know. Uh, but we really haven't been introduced to enough characters for it not to be the case. And then he, when he recruits her, I'm thinking to myself, why is he recruiting her if she's the bomber? She can't be the bomber, right? Mm. Then my new theory, of course, was Ethan Hawke is the bomber. He just doesn't know it yet. And it's a future version of himself, which... To be honest, was my theory going into the film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's... I believe the blurb is something like he's trying to catch the one man he never could, which implies that it's a man and which implies, you know, there's no other male characters besides Noah Taylor's character. The guy who's running the organization of time travelers. What as well was interesting was how he said there was only nine or something time travelers. Mm. I really thought we could have seen a few more of them. Don't you think? Yeah, that, no, that would be really awesome. And they'd each that have their be- own quirkiness because, you know, you, you really have to go through a, a rigorous training process to get there so they'd each have their own particular backstory. When he uh, goes through time with Sarah Snook's character, he says it's a time machine, the time distortion field. They go to April 3rd, 1963. It's very convenient that it sort of figures out where like a safe place to put you that's cool (laughs) like it doesn't ever drop you in the middle of a street in front of a car or something you know you're always in a quiet room somewhere uh which is you know probably the most convenient thing about this time travel also you don't put a time like a time of day you just pick the date yeah it's also you know i mean i feel like everything would be very specific to the minute but anyway interestingly in the short story lloyd it was like a net that shoots over the people and you've got to catch them in the net and time travel with them that way. Yep. I thought the Temporal Bureau was an interesting concept, kind of like an FBI, but for time travel. Yeah. I kind think there cool. was a Van Damme movie that touched on that called Time Cop. Yes. One of 11 Time Cops. That's what they were, basically. <laughs> so he says 1981 was the invention of time travel. 53 years either side, um, they can time travel. From so point zero, that which sort of is implies, when it was invented, 1981. Yep. Yeah. And she asks if it's lonely, and then he says, yes, but you have a purpose. And she bumps into herself, and we get the other half of her tragic tale. Of course, this creates a weird, endless loop, doesn't it? Yeah. Because we see Ethan Hawke steal the baby, uh, and here's where there's... Lots of paradoxes, Lloyd, and you can go cross-eyed thinking about it. (laughs) So the baby Jane is Sarah Snook, who we've seen the backstory for. Jane becomes Ethan Hawke, which, I mean, I feel like is the twist maybe you've missed. Um, No, keep going, and I'll tell you when I uh, walked out of the bathroom. Okay, so Ethan Hawke becomes the bomber? No, okay, Um, I... I walked out when he retires and he unlocks the case 
um, to go to retirement and it comes up with yep. fail-safe error. I rushed out of the bathroom and when I came back, he was talking to himself, but a bearded version of himself that was slightly crippled. Okay. Right. So pretty much um, everybody's the same person except Noah Taylor. So the weird loop thing happening is um, Ethan Hawke basically looks like Sarah Snook initially before that facial thing at the beginning of the film. So pretty much in a strange twist of fate, Sarah Snook's character uh, sleeps with herself because she's both a man and woman. So it creates this loop. It creates this paradox. If you went back in time, I mean, at some point you'd want to see yourself, right? Uh, Knowing everything about yourself, you would obviously love yourself. Ethan Hawke's character loves Sarah Snook's character because it's him. Uh, going through this painful change into becoming a man, uh, obviously much more masculine as Ethan Hawke later with the new face. But Ethan Hawke is essentially his own parents. So by stealing that baby and putting it in that home, he's putting himself in that home. Uh, When he time travels back to make sure he meets himself and makes love to himself and that that baby's born at all, Uh, obviously none of this would have happened (laughs) it's a weird loop because they're all the same person and because everyone's the same person Ethan Hawke is the fizzle bomber she's the fizzle bomber Uh, Ethan Hawke is is her everybody's you know everybody's the same person all just at different times in the the person's timeline the bit you missed is when his case is deactivated it doesn't work so theoretically then if you imagine between him as that Ethan Hawke who's retired, to the Ethan Hawke who's the fizzle bomber, he's seen uh, catastrophes happen through human, like through human, you know, bunch of people died, whatever. Uh, so he goes back, sets a bomb, blows something up, prevents a disaster by having a much smaller disaster. Right. If that makes sense. Right. So he might make sure six people die instead of 60,000, you know, and he keeps the newspaper clippings to prove that these events happened and that he's you know, acting and fixing and course correcting, right? He's obviously on the radar of the Temporal Bureau, but they didn't suspect it to be Ethan Hawke's character because he's deactivated and retired and they knew everything he did while he was time traveling. So every time he stops these catastrophes, the they don't happen. The 60,000 people don't die, the six people die. But that's still something that they're noticing. This fizzle bomber killed six people. They don't understand why to stop these future events, right? Yep. So, Ethan Hawke, as an old man, has been doing all this bombing and he can't remember everything because as you time travel, it should kind of mess up your brain, right? Yeah. That's, that's how I'm reading it. But he's talking to him and saying, do you want to know what we do tomorrow? You know, in that sequence where he confronts him, he knows exactly where the fizzle bomb is going to be because uh, he gets left this clue, presumably from Noah Taylor's character about how he's uh, at a washing like a laundromat and um it sort of ties up the loop because ethan Hawke shoots the old version of himself the old version of himself knew this was going to happen and he said what you do is you don't kill me and that's how you open this loop that's how you you know you fix things but he's always going to do it because he's done it before so it's like there's no choice it's like a weird kind of but the bureau the whole has thing no idea that it's ethan Hawke at all like ever sorry what's the, that the bureau have no idea like they're, they're not purposely letting this loop go they, they just have no, no but yeah. 
There's an implication, though, that Noah Taylor knows. Yeah. And that he had this whole loop. Well, I mean, I was trying to think of a way that this could actually be possible. Like, Noah Taylor uh, genetically created a hermaphrodite child. And the first time he dropped the child off at the orphanage, mm-hmm. right? And then there must have been a version where the child grew up uh, and went naturally through life and he would have had to either have manufactured another one to then, you know, mate with this child and create another child with exactly the same DNA and therefore also a hermaphrodite. And, like, I was trying to figure out a way that this could possibly happen, but it's it's a paradox. It's it's endless. And, uh, yeah, it's a fascinating little short story called um, All You Zombies by Robert A. Heinlein. Heinlein, maybe? Yep. And it's very short, and uh, all of the narration of it is very similar to the narration of her backstory in the film. So it's a very truthful adaptation, um, even if it's sort of a crazy story, you know. it's um, Yeah, the film kind of asks that question as well with the joke at the bar. Like, I think Ethan Hawke says something like, what came first, the chicken or the egg so there's a slight hint or you know a slight stab at that logic with that sense of humor which i thought was pretty interesting yeah it's quite fascinating i am i'm glad when a time travel movie comes along lloyd how does this sit with all the other time travel movies you like look unfortunately um like i said i guessed it so it took away some of the surprise and some of the fun uh, when he's doing all the um, the tapes to himself, you know, you can sort of fill in all the blanks, which is great. Um, <clears throat> but when he says uh, he steals the baby for all these events to happen and then he calls Sarah Snook as a man over away from Sarah Snook as a girl and says, maybe you're ready to hear who I am. At that point, I mean, I feel like you should guess <laughs> that they're the same person. Yeah. Just knowing, you know, he finds himself you know, uh, shooting this old version, which forces him to become the bomber. He becomes the bomber by killing this guy. And David Stratton gave this four and a half stars, which I think says something as well, because he's um, well, those, very renowned. They always tend to favour Australian films way too much. So, you know, I don't trust them when they come to Australian movies, but this one is very good. I thought about this film afterwards, and I took some notes, Lloyd, um... If you'll indulge me for a moment. I think it would have been good to see the other 11 agents. I've mentioned that. I think it would have been good if the bar existed throughout all the 53 years either side and it acted as like a safe house that they entered and exited time through. Yeah. That that everyone working at the bar uh, either was or like knew of the whole time travel situation. Uh, was one of the 11 agents and that when they popped into a time zone they knew who these 11 people were and they sort of seamlessly became bartenders and nobody questioned it you know um i would have enjoyed kind of a something about that bar you know uh pretty much um and then you also would have obviously introduced all the other red herrings as all the other agents anyone could have been the fizzle bomber if you'd had me questioning it the whole time i'm not sure that i would have found it all out also you could have introduced another ethan hawk right another character who looks like ethan hawk another red herring perhaps you say no this is an irrelevant innocent person a guy that dies and then they use his face and that's just how he gets the face yep 
sort of reminded me of 12 monkeys as well you know that there's this looming time travel event and this thing that's going to happen you know uh throughout the course of the film and ethan hawk like a random ethan hawk walking around i think would have been great especially if uh sarah snook i know this is very heavily based on the short story and they didn't detract from that at all but i was just trying to cinematically improve it if you had another ethan hawk walking around and he was like on their radar and like things like that and they didn't know if that was the time traveling version of ethan hawk i feel like that would have been a really great addition yep. maybe that's just me a lot of this reminded me of memento as well which i really love uh it's a great movie just i feel like this was not all the way there great Look, it's predestined, if you will, predestination, that he's going to become the bomber. Everything sort of happens and can't be undone. And it sort of says that there's no free will and that you don't control your destiny at all. Absolutely, yeah. You're locked into it. Yeah. So if a version of you came back and tried to, you know, correct, course correct your life or give yourself an almanac that you couldn't and something would stop you because it's all happened the way it should sort of thing... If he was manufactured somehow or his destiny was determined, even if it was just by Noah Taylor, because he plays sort of a villainous character, don't you agree? Yeah. The snake that eats its own tail forever and ever. If he somehow had forced this situation to happen, if that was the only way you could have these temporal agents was to create them and someone, they, they exist outside of time. They have their own timeline. You know what I mean? They are their own parents. I don't know if there are 11 more, if that's the case. Because it's quite complicated to put in a chain of events like this, whether you're engineering these people or whatever. I feel like maybe he was the only temporal agent. And then others were proper agents, like, without that elaborate loop. Well, maybe he was the experiment. Yeah, well, that was an elaborate loop. And I don't know if that was the only conditions under which a person could you know exist outside of time like this um maybe they manufactured him to be the fizzle bomber yeah you know what i mean like to stop all those tragedies and therefore he was sort of fulfilling what they wanted anyway and sending him to the laundromat to kill the fizzle bomber was just ending that loop before it became 53 years either way and they couldn't stop him anymore or anything like that you know what i mean it's um it's fascinating it's the kind of film that you can really dig into for a while uh and i I really like discovering something like that and i think this will be heavily missed by ethan hawke fans because boyhood is coming out as well um this three-hour film uh you heard about that one that's the same director as um uh, school of rock and uh me and richard linklater one of the great filmmakers of our time uh, I've heard mixed reviews about that, but the majority like it. Think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. And this is the thing. Um, I think it's such an interesting idea, and I haven't seen it yet. But to watch this boy grow up into a man, and all the actors and everybody else is aging in real time as well, so it just feels so interesting. This has been compared to Looper as well, Predestination. Yeah, I can see that. Well, I I like. I, I really enjoyed this movie and uh, again going back to the bar sequence how well this movie like how well how mature 
the directors have taken this um, uh, subject matter and made a very em- a strong emotional connection with the main character. Like, I felt really sorry for this orphan child and all the pain she goes through, the surgery, the loneliness and everything like that, and how she's working at um, families' um, homes and she starts reading magazines. You know, she's she's really an outsider in this cruel modern world. You know, I, it just had a strong emotional connection and it shows a strong level of maturity with these directors but most of all this movie looks absolutely fantastic i'm just really disappointed it's just going to be uh, going to disappear in theaters not many people are going to watch it and uh it's just going to be one of those cult films that might gain an audience years down the track i think um i i know i'm australian so i know i might be biased but uh, the, I think these guys have done a terrific job. This is a wonderful movie. I don't know if I'll enjoy it as much the second time viewing, knowing everything that's going to happen, but I, I can't forget my first ex- experience watching that. And unfortunately, I walked out to go to the bathroom at one of the most crucial moments, which is so frustrating. In terms of time travel movies, I'm going to try and obviously keep some going on this podcast. It's one of my favorite genres. And there's one coming up called The Infinite Man, uh, which I think we'll try and get into as well. So, um, yeah, a man uh, tries to have a romantic weekend, and as it doesn't go right, he stays at the resort and builds a time machine so that he can go back and have the weekend again and make it perfect. So, yeah, it's one of those things, I think, where, like the time machine, he never would have built the time machine if the weekend had gone perfect so therefore he can never have it go perfect because then he'll never build the time machine to go back and make it perfect if that makes sense in the time machine the story he goes back in time to save his wife but his wife continues to die in different ways each time because she has to die because if she doesn't die he never makes the time machine so by making the time machine you know it creates a past where she has to die really because he can never change it because otherwise the time machine like it's this forced kind of course correction if she dies or if she lives rather he doesn't make the time machine he never saves her so she has to die yeah so i think it's going to be like that the infinite man where um he's time traveling back and back and back again and again and uh this infinite loop of him trying to correct his thing maybe realizing that it's not meant to be and then moving on with his life plus now he has a time machine that's my early prediction for the infinite man but um Look, Predestination, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Unfortunately, as I said, not enough red herrings, not enough for you not to figure it out. But it's impossible not to figure out because you can say, she's the bomber, you're right. He's the bomber, you're right. He's the man, you're right. She's the man, you're right. Everybody's the same character. So, you know, everyone predicts this. Regardless. I thought I would quickly mention uh, we have an anagram competition going on. there's an actor or actress's name. We're releasing a letter by letter, sometimes two letters per podcast. So uh, starting at episode 100, we've started releasing letters. This time the letter is M, M for Mary. And uh, if you keep collecting the letters, you'll be able to form the name of an actor or actress and you can get it to us by contacting us, messaging the Pod Me If You Can Facebook page or tweeting at Lloyd or myself. When somebody guesses the name of the actor or actress, the competition ends and that person wins a DVD prize pack. Look forward to uh, getting some of the responses as these letters keep coming out. Uh, as always, you can find us at www.podmeifyoucan.com 
And uh, we've been knocking out these YouTube videos on our YouTube channel. You can find the link there. Lloyd, uh, lots coming up for us. Yeah, we're Um, keeping busy, guys. So keep pumping them out. Uh, At least a couple of things a week we try to do. (laughs) In the very near future, Gone Girl is coming out. That's David Fincher's latest film. Uh, Sin City 2 is on the horizon for Australian viewers as well. Uh, We're going to try and cover both of those, no doubt. As well, um, Lloyd and I will be attempting to watch films that we've never seen before, and I don't want to ruin them, but both of us probably should have seen these (laughs) films before. Um, So lots more to come. Stay tuned to the podcast. You can subscribe in iTunes. Feel free to leave us some feedback there. If you enjoyed Predestination as well, let us know on the Facebook page. Lloyd, as always, pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Dave. All the best, guys. For listening, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews. 